Amen. Thank you, Lori, for leading so beautifully. We'd like to welcome you to Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. We'd like to give a special welcome. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we pray that you felt the presence of the Lord as soon as you drove on to the parking lot and into this place. Thank you so much for being here. I'd also like to welcome those of you who are worshiping with us online. We pray that wherever you are, you might know that the Spirit of the Lord is with you, and thank you so much for tuning in to be a part of this service. Every week, there's an opportunity for you, if you feel led, to greet one another and let someone know you're glad to see them here today. So right now, I'm going to ask you to stand and tell someone, it's great seeing you today.
this one by now. Please sing with us. was awesome. I love that. I love that song. I love the message. I love the scripture that our God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And we give all the glory to Jesus Christ, to his church forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us and this is the first time in a while uh, that we've all been able to come together in one place. I can't tell you how great it is to see a church that's almost full today. Isn't it great to see the church full? We have suspended until needed our early service, and it's our prayer that we will be able to add that service back again. Uh, but as people begin to feel comfortable to come back, uh, we pray that we will fill up both services once again. And, but for now, it's great that we can worship together in this place and that we can worship with those of you who are at home or 
uh, in Florida, wherever you may be, I'm grateful that you can still worship with us. Every week, there's an opportunity for us, if you feel led by the Spirit of God, to come to this altar and pray. You can kneel, you can stand, you can pray for yourself, you can pray for a friend, a loved one, but we need prayer. Uh, more than ever, we need prayer, and and if you feel led this morning to come to this altar and pray, I invite you to come join me as we lift up our prayers together. Would you come pray with me today? pray together. God, we have gathered in your house with grateful hearts, humble hearts, overwhelmed hearts and spirits. And Father, even though we know you are able and your grace is enough, we still, oh God, struggle with sickness and worry and fear and pain and uncertainty about tomorrow and Father, we come to acknowledge our need of you. We trust in you with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, we acknowledge you that you will make our path straight. And Father, we pray today for folks at this altar, for people praying from their seats, people joining us through Facebook Live and YouTube, God, wherever they may be, may they feel your presence and your comfort and your strength. Lord, we pray a special prayer today for Rhonda and Tom Barrier and the loss of Rhonda's mother. Would you give them comfort, God, and strength in their loss that they might feel a peace that comes from faith in you? Father, we pray for others who are in the hospital, many, oh God, that have been battling COVID or some other illness, and we pray, God, for your healing hand to be upon all the many names who are on our list. Father, we continue to pray that this pandemic would end soon, and God, no more lives would be lost, no more families Father, affected by it. And Father, we pray for this church and all the churches that we will indeed rise again and rebuild again and that people will feel led to come back to your house to worship with other believers, showing a watching world whose team we're on. And I pray, God, that we would see a great harvest of souls that would come to Christ. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to, to move in our midst. Father, there are people grieving. There are people depressed. There are people, God, who are lonely. There are people, oh God, that are contemplating spiritual decisions. Lord, I pray that if there are folks that have never accepted you into their heart, may today be the day of salvation that many would come to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, we pray for so many others, Lord, that are here that, again, just need a special touch from you. So we pray, oh God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word and, and God, help me to be a servant who stands in the gap for you speak in and through me and just remove anything from our hearts and lives that would hinder us from hearing your voice speak. So Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you and ask that you would sing and play through Michael in just a moment and again speak through me. We'll give you all the glory in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.
This morning, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1? And as you're doing that, I'm grateful that Michael Markham is here today, not only uh, filling in for Bill leading us in our worship, but he's also going to be singing after the reading of God's Word. Michael, it's great to see you, and thank you for being here to share your talents with us. Begin with verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Flipping through my uh, music library some weeks back, and I came across the song that was written over 30 years ago by Twyla Paris, and it reminded me of how um, there's really nothing new under the sun and that God and his principles that worked centuries ago still work today. And uh, this just reminded me, no, don't forget that God is in control. And that's the title of this song. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you will really hear this from your heart and recognize that if you're in a place where you're not at peace or you're struggling with something, you can count on this fact, God is in control. This is no time for fear. This is a time for faith and determination. Don't lose the vision here. Carried away by emotion.
Amen. Thank you, Michael. What a perfect message and needed. And, you know, I was just watching and listening Michael sing, and it wasn't too awfully long ago he was critically ill in the hospital with the outlook uncertain. And to see him up here singing and praising God, I just give God the glory for that. I know you had to be thinking about that, son, when you picked that song, that God is in control, even when things very much seem out of control. I always like to share a little humor to get you ready to hear more important things. Maybe you heard the story about the son that came home from school, and he said, Dad, Dad, he said, I, I got a part in the school play. And his dad said, that's great, son. What part did you get? He said, I, I get to play the part of a man who's been married for 25 years. And the dad said, I'm sorry, son, maybe next time you'll get a speaking part. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Oh, my. A couple of weeks ago, we began a sermon, sermon series called Rebuilding God's Way. We have been looking at God's Word, uh, also to go along with this a book written by Pastor Bob Russell, who pastored Southeast Christian Church in Louisville several years ago, called When God Builds a Church. We've been looking at several principles of how we, as God's church, can rebuild after the devastation and the ongoing devastation of this pandemic, just as Folks in western Kentucky have had to rebuild after these devastating tornadoes uh, literally ripped through and, and leveled many of their homes and businesses. So has this pandemic taken its toll on our families and on our churches. And so how can we rebuild God's church? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of rebuilding on the truth, which we know Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And last week, if you were here, we talked about the importance of expecting God to do great things in our worship. We are to sense God's presence and expect God to do great things when we come together for worship. And today we want to talk about the importance of Christian leadership for us as Christian leaders and followers of Christ. It's so important that we be in tune with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. But in our scripture today, we see Peter writing the church that had been scattered. This was written to both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians who had been scattered throughout much of Asia Minor, which is uh, present-day Turkey. And as he was writing this letter, they had been persecuted because of their faith in Christ. You could go look in Acts chapter 8, after the stoning of Stephen, that the church began to scatter because of their faith in Christ and because of fear of persecution. And many have called this letter a letter of persecution or a letter of separation or a letter of suffering, while others call it a letter of hope, a letter of courage, a letter of encouragement. But I think we can all relate because maybe we're not being scattered because of the persecution of an enemy, and yet we are because we know Satan is our enemy but maybe we feel the persecution of everything that we're going through right now and how people are being scattered. This craziness ever going to end? When is life ever going to be back to normal? When am I ever going to feel like I can do the things and go to the places and be around the people who I would want to be around and do the things I really want to do? And so I pray today that God would give us an encouraging word because really what I find in these passages is Peter encouraging us to live a holy Christian life 
in an unholy, non-Christian world. And really, it's talking about us having godly character. Now, when you look at the definition of character, we find that it is the feelings or the thoughts or, or maybe the uh, behavior of someone. But when we talk about godly character, it's displaying integrity. It's displaying honesty. It's displaying uh, responsibility and respectfulness and moral responsibility. And I pray today that we would all want to see God's church rebuilt upon godly character, not characters. We've got plenty of characters in the church. If you want to know who they are, see me after the service. But anyway, the fact is we are to be more like Christ. And I think that Peter, who knew too well uh, what it meant to be a follower of Jesus and a leader, and also we see his failures and his humanness, I pray that it would speak to you and me. Because I think through this passage of Scripture, for wanting to be godly in our character and in our witness, we must have self-control. We must have self-control. In verse 13, it said, Therefore, have our minds alert and fully sober so we can set uh, our hope upon the grace to be given to us when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. And we know that we are to have self-control, to be alert and fully sober. It's interesting that Peter is the one who's writing this because many times in Scripture, we saw Peter act in every kind of way except self-control. Remember when Jesus in Luke 22 told his disciples that he was going to be leaving in a little while where he was going that they could not come. And, and yet Peter said in verse 33 of Luke 22, he said, Lord, I will go with you to jail and to death. And then just a few verses later in Luke 22, 46, Jesus had invited his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane where he was praying about what was about to happen on the cross. And remember in verse 46, Jesus replied, Why are you sleeping? He said, Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Peter was one of those who was sleeping. And then if you look in, in John chapter 18, verse 10, when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter had a sword. And when they came to arrest Jesus, he drew his sword and cut off the right ear of the high priest's servant, which was Malchus. And we know that Peter lost control. A few verses later, we see where Peter denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. So when Peter says that you are to be alert and to be self-controlled, he knew too well what it meant to lose control, didn't he? If you would read on over in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that passage we've shared many times through the years when Peter said, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So we know that the enemy is constantly prowling around, ready to wreak havoc on you or me. Paul said something very similar in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. He said, so then, do not uh, be asleep like others, but rather to be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. And he was talking about the importance of being alert and, and watching and not be uh, clouded by a substance or having our thoughts intoxicated by the pollution of the world. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, 
but instead be filled with the Spirit. And that's very much like Paul was saying in Romans 14, 13. He said, therefore, do not uh, judge one another, but he said, but instead make up your mind not to be a, or put a stumbling block in your brother or your sister's way. And I want to ask you today, are you putting a stumbling block in another Christian's way? You say, what do you mean am I being a stumbling Are you being a stumbling block, but how, how you lose control of your temper and by your anger? Are you going off on somebody, but yet you're saying to them that I'm a follower of Christ and I'm a committed Christian, but yet you're example is showing anything but that are you being a stumbling block by your alcohol consumption what's puzzled me is how many people casually drink when they have family members that are dying of alcoholism it breaks my heart that to me doesn't jive together that you're setting you're telling your loved one oh i'm praying for you and i don't want to see you die but yet you continue on and how you're living, that sends to me mixed signals of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What about in your attitude that you have? Do you have a critical attitude or you have a positive attitude and a positive spirit? And I think it's important that we have a positive spirit in the way that we deal with people and the attitude that we have toward one another or maybe it's some other addiction that's being a stumbling block you say well you know i don't have a problem with it but again somebody else might and so we must think about what it means when we are to be self-controlled i've shared with you my list continues to grow i have 14 people on my prayer list right now that are battling some form of addiction 14, and 13 out of the 14 are Christians. These are people that have given their lives to Christ, followed through believers' baptism, yet they're battling. They're not bad people. They're just struggling with a bad addiction and sickness. And 12 out of those 14 is alcohol addiction. And the others are drug addiction, but... Twelve of them are battling serious addiction. I think we have a responsibility as Christians to set an example for the world, and I'll cover this in just a minute, to be different than the rest of the world. And so many times we want to continue to live our lives, but did not Jesus say when he said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must what? Deny himself take up his cross daily, and follow me. And so we have to deny maybe some things that we have enjoyed or things that we think is okay for the sake of someone else's soul or someone else's life. And I pray today that Peter's message would resonate with us, that we are to have self-control, but that we're also to have humility. In verse 14, it says, uh, that we are not to uh, conform to the evil desires we had when we lived in ignorance. Well, it's humility when we acknowledge that someone may know more than we know. And we know that God the Father, as obedient children, we are not to conform to the evil desires we had when we lived in ignorance. We are considered the children of God. And so as his obedient children, and Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. We show him we love him by our obedience and that we are living for him. We're not going around saying, I already know more than you. And that's a sad commentary when sometimes we as children have said we know more than our parents are no more than people, uh, adults, or they're more experienced. They've been there, done that, gotten a T-shirt. 
and they can give such wisdom to you and to me. But when we look at this passage, when it says, as obedient children, we are to practice humility. And sometimes God will use circumstances in our lives to allow us to be humble. That's why I've said about this pandemic. I don't think God is doing it to us, but I think God can certainly use it to get our attention, to bring us to our knees, to say, I'm so sorry, Lord, for everything we have made of our churches and our country and our world. We've gotten so far away from you, and it's time for us to come back. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, Paul said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each one of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Being humble is that we're thinking about other people instead of just thinking about us. And I want to give you two quick examples. The other day, I walked down to the Cross Center to visit, as I do throughout the week. I might go down to see some of you all playing pickleball or walking on the track or shooting ball. And I went down to visit, and as I walked up to the, to the counter downstairs, um, we had some of our volunteers and our uh, recreation minister, Lee Rainwater, and there was someone on the phone, and on the phone was a person who was battling alcohol addiction. Our volunteer had already talked to him. Lee Rainwater was talking to them, and then they handed me the phone, and this person began to get emotional, and they said, I feel so guilty because I want to do what's right, but this thing has got a hold on me, and I don't know how I'm going to ever break free. And they were weeping. And they said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I prayed and I used what we just sang. I said, God is able to deliver you if you want to be delivered. God is able to give you that strength. But you have to want it, him more than you want your alcohol or your liquor. But then also when I think about being humbled, I think about years ago when I was a youth minister, it was in the winter, and I guess I was 21, 22 years old, and there was a snow that came and probably, I think, some freezing rain on top of it because there was really icy. Well, some of the students wanted to go sledding and, uh, or tubing, and so I said, man, I'm all in. I, that sounds fun. feels great. Well, even though I was 21 or 22, my earthly father said, Todd, that, that doesn't sound like the wise thing to do. And I said, why, Dad? I said, it's going to be fast. It's going to be fun. He goes, that's a good way to get yourself hurt. He goes, I just don't think it's a good idea. There's ice out there, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I know what I'm doing, okay? Went over, Andrew, behind Crestwood Church, behind the parsonage, over behind Crestwood, and, and there the Kent family had a, a nice, uh, man, it was like Olympics, you know, it, it, was, it was ice down, there was a ramp down at the bottom. On the very first time down, I got on an inner tube, and, and I actually, it was with two guys that are ministers today, Kevin Hash and Davin Watts. We all three got on. I was on the bottom. They were kind of on top of the side. We went flying down, went airborne, went three different ways. <laughs> Boom! I landed on my shoulder, and I'm like, man, I, I think I kind of, ah. My shoulders are, I tried to go down a couple more times. I said, guys, I can't. I went in the house to try to raise my sweatshirt and stuff up to take a look. I couldn't even raise it up like that. End up going to the ER, put me in a sling, had to go home to my parents' house, <laughs> and say, Dad, you were right. 
as obedient children, we're telling our Heavenly Father, Dad, you're right. You're always right. You know more than I know. Or as my dad used to tell me, son, I've forgotten more than you've ever learned. <laughs> and the fact is, we humble ourselves to say, God, your ways are higher, and you know better what's for us than we know what's best for ourselves. And God gives us that courage and strength. As obedient children, do not conform uh, that's, again, what Paul said in Romans 12, too. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind or your spirit. We are to be changed, which leads us into the third point, that if we want to rebuild God's way as Christian leaders and followers of Christ, we must have holiness. In verse 15 and 16, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And what does that mean? Well, the Greek word for holy is hagios, which actually means to be separated from sin, to, to be uh, set apart, to be pure to be different. We could say this church building is hagios because it's different than other buildings. We can say the Sabbath is hagios because it's different than other days. The Christian is hagios because we're to be different than other people. That's what I was going to say a while ago. When you can't tell the Christian from the non-Christian, it's a sad commentary. We wonder why people aren't flooding into the church because we must model holiness and the way that we act and the way that we treat people and the things that we do. We must model what it means to be holy because he is holy. Preacher of old D.L. Moody uh, made the statement uh, one time that it is a great deal better to live a holy life than to talk about it. He said, lighthouses don't ring bells or fire off cannons to draw attention to their shining. They just shine. And that's what we as Christians are to do in a dark world. We're just to shine. We're to let our light shine. And we need more people today that are willing to be holy I didn't say perfect. I said to be holy. And why? Because the closer we draw to Jesus Christ and the more we try to live for him, the holier our lives will, will become. Not holier than now, but we are holy because he is holy. I want to share this story in closing. Uh, Pastor Bob Russell shared in his book, When God Builds a Church, that years ago, um, their church was at a plateau. They hit a plateau. He said that the church was dead. He said they weren't seeing any growth. Nothing was happening. And he said it was just dead. And he was struggling with what's the problem, what's going on? Why aren't we seeing signs of life? So they implemented some new programs or some creative strategies, and that, that didn't help. He said one Sunday after services, he was in his office saying, where is the Spirit of God gone in this place? He said after asking that question, it was about two weeks later that he found out one of the key leaders in the church had been having an affair. And he said it was a difficult job, but the elders of the church, they confronted this person and they shared with them that they thought it would be best if they would move on because they ministered to them and loved them, but said maybe they could go somewhere else and begin a new ministry and start afresh and anew. And so that's exactly what happened. Bob Russell said he was scared to death of 
what was going to happen at the church. He was so scared that this crisis was going to be devastating to the church. And so he prayed, but he said, it was amazing. It was almost immediately a great outpouring of the Spirit of God came on that church, and God renewed a sense of joy among the people. And he said, for those who are in leadership positions and for people that are claiming to be followers of Christ, there is a degree of expectation of us to be holy because he is holy. And if we want to see God rebuild and bless this church, then our lives have to be in, in close with how the Lord is leading us through his Holy Spirit. Part two of a similar story, he shared that he always gave, Bob Russell shared that he always gave a purity speech to his staff every year. He said he would tell them, if you think you are doing anything right now in your life that would not be God-honoring or pleasing to him, you need to just go on and resign right now. He said, if you're doing anything right now that you think would hinder the Spirit of God moving in this church, then you need to go on and just step down right now. And said, it wasn't until a couple years later, one of their staff members came up to him and said, you know, when you gave that purity speech, he said, you were talking directly to me. He said, I've been addicted to pornography, and I had been flirting with an immoral relationship. And he said, I felt as though you were talking straight to me. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. If you're here today or you're watching and you say, he's talking right to me, that's not me talking to you. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you and convicting you. Look, if you want God to bless your life, if we want God to bless this church, then it's time that we turn away from things that we know we ought not be doing and start living the way God would have us to live. Someone just sent me recently in a text form, and they said this pandemic is the greatest altar call that we've ever had in our world. It's an altar call for people to turn it around and come to Christ, humbling themselves, acknowledging our need of Christ. And if this doesn't get our attention, what will? And I pray today that if you're here and you don't know Jesus, that this would be the day. Look, don't, I'm not painting a picture that can't be lived out. None of us are perfect. But praise God that his grace is enough and his power is made perfect in our weakness. And we know he gives us the supernatural strength to do things we could not do on our own. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we have those spirit fruit available to us in our lives. Maybe you're a Christian and you've gotten off track and you know that you haven't been living. You know, that definition of integrity is how you're living your life when no one else is around. That's a pretty good gauge of what kind of people we are, how we're living our lives when no one else is around. I pray today that we would have godly character and integrity and honesty and respectfulness and moral responsibility to be the men and women that God wants us to be, the people of Christ. Or maybe you're looking for a church home. Man, I love this church. I love this church. And we're not perfect, and I'm certainly not. But I have, today, with you all being here, it's given me hope that you still do love the Lord and you love His church. And that we're going to keep on keeping on with God's strength and power. So in a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Ironically, it's one that, it's been one of my favorite through the years, one that I was able to experience at a Billy Graham crusade at Cardinal Stadium years ago in Louisville when he preached. And Billy Graham always gave the invitation, just as I am. And uh, it's funny because we're supposed to come to him just as we are, 
But then we are to leave changed to be different than the way we came to him. And so if you're here today and, and you want to come to Christ, we can't fake him out. He knows us. Just come to him just as you are. And he will love you and forgive you just like I told my friend on the phone that day. God loves you and he will forgive you from your guilt. And he'll do that for you. Or maybe you're here and, and again you've been off track. You've allowed this crazy time to lead you down the wrong path. It's time to get back on track. And start being the father, the mother, the husband, the wife, the son, the daughter that you need to be. But I'm going to ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any men or women or young people here or people watching that have never accepted Jesus into their heart to be their Lord and Savior. May they know today that they are loved and they are forgiven and all they have to do is accept you, turn away, repent from the old way of life and start walking in newness of life. Father, I pray today if there are folks here that are Christians but they've gotten off track, Lord, may they come today to renew a vowed commitment to say, Boy, this season has really humbled me and it's gotten my attention just as me separating my shoulder was humbling to tell my dad, you were right. God, we know you're right. And may we not be so proud that we would not humble ourselves to come to you and say your way is better than mine. Or Lord, maybe some folks have been looking for a church family this is a wonderful church family, and I don't say that lightly. It is a wonderful church family, not perfect, but God, you have done many miraculous things in this historic church. And Father, I believe that the best is yet to come, but we must surrender it fully to you. So help us, God, to have the boldness and the courage to come just as we are, and then allow you to change us to be more like Jesus, in whose precious and holy and strong name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you, if you're in this place, to stand and join with me as we sing together this great hymn of commitment, Just As I Am. Won't you come?
Amen. I want to thank you so much for worshiping with us today and those of you watching on uh, Facebook Live or YouTube. I can't tell you what a humble privilege this has been to see you in this place. I love that we could all come together because where there are people of God, His Spirit lives in them. So the more of you there are, the more of His Spirit we feel in His presence in this place. So Thank you so much for being here today and allowing his presence to be in this place. If you're a guest, please know we have a gift out on the Welcome Center for you. Go by there and pick up a free gift, a small token of our love and appreciation for you being here today. Don't forget that Wednesday night we have our prayer meeting and fellowship meal. Fellowship meal is five downstairs if you can't make it. We pray over this place that the Spirit of God would continue to move and do great things for His kingdom. A couple more quick announcements. Um, I will not be standing in the back today. That's, that's why I've been wearing my mask. My wife just found out last night she has COVID, and so I ask that you keep Kelly in your prayers. Uh, so far, she's the only one, and so uh, I've doing what the guidelines call for because I'm fully vaccinated and boosted. I can be here. I've just got to be masked up. So I am uh, trying to keep you safe. I will not be standing in the back, but somebody else will. <laughs> Troy Fitz, who's our sound guy for uh, over the last year, year and a half, has accepted a new job uh, in Nashville. And today is Troy Swansong, his last hurrah. And uh, I've asked Troy to stand in the back in front of the table. And if you all haven't had a chance to, to meet Troy, he's been a joy. Troy's been a joy. <laughs> Troy has been a joy. And uh, we've loved getting to know Troy. He's done a great job helping with our sound. So, yes. I told Troy he always has a home here if things don't work out in Nashville. But Troy, in a moment, if you would, go just down here in the back so people can just tell you how much that we've appreciated and loved you. So thank you all for being here today. I look forward to worshiping with you again real soon. I'm so grateful again. Michael Markham is here to lead. Bill is doing much better. I think his plans are to be back at choir February the 2nd and back in service February the 6th. So if all goes well, so we're grateful for that. But at this time, Michael, if you would lead us in a closing song and then I'll pray at the back. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. May we pray, God, thank you for the great things you have done, the great things you are doing, and for the great things that are still ahead. To God be the glory, in Jesus' name, amen.